0: This morning I want to pick up where I left off what well, seems a hundred years ago um, in John chapter 4 with the conversation that Jesus had with the woman of Samaria and let me preface it today, I may say things today that will either shock or upset or send your world spinning, um so could you be prepared for that Uh, forgive me ahead of time and let the Holy Spirit make it real to you okay in the middle of the conversation with the woman of Samaria John chapter 4 you remember he suddenly out of nowhere introduces the fact um, she has no husband has had five husbands and so on And, and we talked about that last time But then she does not want to stay there. Uh, She is uh, to a point of shock, as I think every one of us are, when we realize the gospel is that God joins us at our very worst. He does not join us when we've got our act together. He joins us at our worst. And that is shocking. And for many people, they can't handle it to begin with. She couldn't. And so in verse 19, she immediately changes the subject and says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's not go there. Let, let's stay. You're a prophet. And she goes on, Our fathers, that's the original Samaritans, worshipped in this mountain, which would be Mount Gerizim. And you, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus now now this and I'm not going to talk about this but you just got to say something about it. He he doesn't say lady I was talking about your five husbands. He doesn't do that. If she changes the subject, he changes it with her. That that to me is amazing. He is saying, essentially, what do you want to talk about? And it doesn't matter what she wants to talk about. He's going to take it back to her heart relationship with the Father. And and I find that is fantastic. Um, And that is true. If we had, you know, lots of time, you can go through the Scripture. and, And it's the reverse of what we've been taught so many times that he comes and just slams on us and says, now listen to me. He never does that. Essentially, he says, what do you want to talk about? Where's your pain? Where where is it that you're hurting? Where is it you have your questions? We'll talk about that. That's, That's what, and that may be way off the subject, but somehow he always brings it back to the subject, but he does it through where we're at. And so he answers her. And says, woman, and remember, that's one high word of respect. Um, He called his own mother woman. Uh, You could say, dear woman, lovely woman, precious woman. Believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, Mount Gerizim of the Samaritans, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You, Samaritans, worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Then he goes back, but an hour is coming. And then he hesitates and says, but now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. They are the most amazing words, Jesus said, I think. Um, it, it is the foundation for the rest of the New Testament. And it says things that we are very hesitant to pursue. So let let me look at it. She brings up the subject, our fathers and we talked about the fathers the samaritans were a mixed people they were some israelites that had been left behind from captivity but then those who took them captive the assyrians brought in all other nations and so you had this all spare parts people they they were they had no genealogy together they were just a mass of people mixed together and each brought their own religion And so they mixed it together in some unholy stew, and that's what they believed. And the only connection they had to um, what had gone before was they did believe in the first five books of the Bible. They believed in the Pentateuch, and that was it. And so they have this group of essentially pagan people who have a pagan religion but with a, a thread of connection to the scripture. So she's saying our fathers taught us that it is on this this mountain here in Samaria that we worship God. And you Jews, you say it's in Jerusalem. So which, in Jerusalem you worship at the temple on Mount Zion, it was a mountain. And here we have a mountain that we worship on, Mount Gerizim. Um, so which religion is right? If you can tell me that I've had five husbands and the one I'm living with is not my husband, you must be some prophet. So now, come on, prophet, tell me which religion is right? Which people group have got it right? Where where are we in all of this? Who's right which place should we go to worship? Which way should we adopt to worship? What well, what's going on? Who got it right? Now, I know what everybody thinks Jesus should have said. He should have said Jerusalem and Mount Zion is the place to worship God. He said nobody got it right. Do, do you... Does that, if that doesn't affect you, then I, I should start again. Um, he was saying, when he said that Jerusalem didn't get it right, that's not the, the place to worship. Even certainly you didn't get it right. He did say that. He says, we, we, we at least have got the gospel. We've got the promise. You don't have anything. But he said, I mean, you've got nothing, and even those who have the promise, they too. No, you don't worship God in Jerusalem. which you, well, just a minute, hold that. Been doing that for the entire Old Testament. What's Jesus saying? He is saying the Old Testament didn't have all right. And he is saying no more than you pagans had it Right? there's something coming that is so utterly totally new that you'll recognize it wasn't in jerusalem and it certainly isn't in samaria it's in this other dimension that nobody's ever thought of until now this is this is getting very upsetting because now what do i do with all of that old testament what do i do with what andrew just read where he says um, we go to the house of the Lord, he he's just saying no. Um, it, it's not a house that's built on a mountain that we say now this is the right way. He said that that's not it. So what's the Old Testament been talking about? And for goodness' sake, what are we doing today for? the Christian church has adopted the language of the Old Testament to talk about its present kind of worship. I I know that many, many, many um, evangelical believers talk about the building that they meet in as the house of the Lord, and they collect all the money to build the house of the Lord um, when it just says it's not on that mountain, it's not in that building. What's what, seriously? I'm in, in daring to approach this. I'm upsetting half the world. This is, Jesus says we they, they don't even know the Father. And to know is a prerequisite to worship. You can't worship a God you don't know. And he says, no, it's not in either one of those. And in Matthew 11, he's going to say at a point future from this time, by a couple of years, but he's going to say, no one knows the Father except the Son. Do you remember that? That, again, is so massive, it leaves me speechless. He said at his point in history, up until now, no one, and the Greek there is very emphatic, it means no one, It's no one, no one, which means he is saying Moses didn't have all the pieces. He's saying that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos didn't have all the pieces. He says only one person knows the Father, and that's me. And I know the Father because I came out from the Father, I am of one being with the Father. To know me is to know the Father. This is a new day that you've never imagined before. It's not worship in that building in Jerusalem. It's not any other pagan center. And he said that the Father is seeking worshipers not people who go to this building or that building, but worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And he says, the father is seeking. That means the father takes the initiative. I don't have to beat you over the head and say, you've got to worship God. No, God says, I'm the one doing the seeking. I'm the one taking the initiative I want you more than you know how to want. I desire you. And that desire began before the creation of the world. We've talked about that before. The intention of God to create had a reason behind it. The, The intention of God was that we should be created to be Adopted into the family of God and to worship God heart to heart, face to face, to know and be known. And so He He is seeking. He he his seeking us is the motive behind creation. It is the seeking heart of God. That we should be worshippers that caused him to create. Now that's that's the way it is. Um, so when he created, it's in the Garden of Eden. You could say it was the Garden of Worshippers. Have you noticed there was no temple there? Well, I mean, seriously, we don't don't skid over this. In, in the most perfect point the beginning of the human race where everything was there to bring to pass what real humanity was. You have no temple. There was no religion. Everybody in the garden, and I'll say this very carefully, laughed and played with the Creator because it says that the Lord God walked in in the cool of the day. Do you remember that? Incidentally, that is the most blatant statement of the Holy Trinity in the Old Testament. Um, pull it apart, uh, Lord, Yahweh, I am. But then Elohim, the Lord God, Elohim. And, and we've talked about it before, that Elohim is a strange word because it's always plural. There's an S on the end, plural, more than one. And yet it's linked with singular sentences. And so it is saying Elohim is a plurality of persons, even though one. So I am, you could say carefully, God's, the more than one, in the cool of the day. That is, forgive me, but that's a terrible translation. Um, The word there, cool, is ruach. And ruach is a word that means wind or spirit. He is saying that Yahweh Elohim ruach, that is father and son in the Holy Spirit walked in the Garden of Eden to play and laugh. And what is the language of God in the Garden of Eden? Adam, where are you? What have you been doing? It sounds more like a sandpit play than going to church. This is a relationship. This is a friendship. This is why man was created. Um, Fellowship. Well, what is sin? And this is generations before you ever come to the Ten Commandments. It's got nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. Sin was the entrance of the great blindness, a blindness so intense that, as I've said before, that when a person is blind physically, they they know they're blind, and they know there's a reality out here they can't see and many times a blind person sees more than we do because they use all their senses to connect with the the reality out here this is a blindness which is so blind you believe that what you don't see is your reality that there is nothing beyond that a blindness it's it's in um in John 1 it says the blindness the light couldn't come, rather, the darkness couldn't comprehend the light. It didn't understand light. In fact, it took John the Baptist to come and tell the darkness, "Look, there's light here." Uh, they just couldn't see. Couldn't see. That's the essence of sin. You you are blind, and you are blinded by the great lie that you are independent of God, or our word today will be separated. Separated from God. You think about that. If I'm separated from God, that's interesting because if you ask the average American or Westerner even, where is God? And they'll always point up. He's up. And they may address God as the man upstairs but he's always up. Why up? Up, because he's not here. He's removed. He's up. He's over. He's watching. There's a lot of words we use, but never what the Bible says, which is he's in us. No, blindness. And in that blindness created an alien reality that God is separate. He's away from us. And he 's away from us because he doesn't like us he's away from us because we really annoy him, and you get the impression that he created us in order to be annoyed for all eternity because that's a, he, he's always upset with us um, but that that's the essence of sin so once I, I once I believe I'm separated from God, then I'm on my own to create my own reality with behaviors that fit the reality. Separated from God. That's interesting because that is the key to understanding every religion on the face of the earth. And I, I've traveled the earth and I've sat down and talked with the priests as well as the worshippers of many pagan religions and it's the same. When you're talking to a witch doctor, you might as well be talking to a Shinto priest in Japan. It's the same thing. God is up. God is beyond us. God is God is uh, away, and, and then I come back to America and I listen to preachers, and all they can tell me is you're separated from God. You're away. He's away. He's up. There's no difference. They all have the same message. God's not here. We're on our own. So what do we do? Every religion does the same thing. is they go to a mountain? Isn't it strange? If, if if it's not a mountain, it's a high hill, and what they what they build a house there. For God to live in, because he's not here, so we give him a house. God can live in a house. And in the house, well, he's got a separate room, usually with a barred lock on it, because we don't have him escape. It's like having a lion in a zoo. You put God in the box. And God there, then he has his keepers. His keepers are that elite class of humans that are allowed to peek at him every so often to make sure he's still there. You do realize I'm talking about religion wherever you find it. Think about it. Wherever you find it, it's the God who isn't here. And many, many times, let me state it plainly, the evangelical talks about the building they meet in every Sunday as the house of the Lord. The house, the house, the place he lives, I guess, you know. And who's in there? Well, they're professionals. They're called clergy. And the clergy, well, they're an elite bunch. They they have special relationship to God, you see. And so when you want to talk to God, you go to them and say, would you pray for me? That's odd. That's odd. If, if God dwells in you and you dwell in him, why don't you talk to him yourself? Oh, no, they're the elite, you know, they're the lion keepers. They they They, they poke at him and talk to him. Um. Yeah, and, and and you see the the thing that God would talk to me, that, that's utterly ridiculous. In fact, it's scary. I, I don't want that. That because he's up there, he's safe up there. If he starts talking to me, and, and so part of the whole mountain house system is to have the prophets. Oh, they they make it safe. There again, they're an elite bunch. They can talk, and he talks to them, and then they talk to you. So so you don't have to get involved. And so you go to the prophet, and what, what's my life look like? Well, you're going to do this and that. That's good, you know, see. Because God told the prophet, the prophet told me, and I didn't have to get involved with God. Um, amazing, isn't it? Because I thought he could talk to you. But um, do you see what religion is? Religion is separation from God, and it shows up in a hundred different ways. We can't think of God filling every day of our life 24-7. So, no, we don't do that. So that house on the mountain, they give special days. So now on a Sunday, well, that's, uh, you know, that's God's day, at least half of it is. And um, and we go to God's house, like going to grandma's house. And when you go and you start talking in whispers. Because, you know, this is God's house, I'm not used to this, and don't you notice? Is it only because I travel to all different churches and see this nonsense going on, and and people who are the funniest people on the planet until they get in the church parking lot, then something happens to them, Uh, and they're the most miserable people on the earth because they're coming into God's house and they're all scared and they look around and they sit there and no one talks and if the if the child laughs, they shut up. Church, you know. We're laughing, we should laugh, but you realize what I'm saying here? This is separation. Why why don't you act like that at the dining room table? If the glory of God fills your house, then, no, we think he lives there, you see, he lives there. And and you can't laugh there, and you can't have a barbecue there, and the children can't play there because it's God's house. It's on the mountain up there. We go away, made it, you know. Now we can act normal. That's religion. It's religion. Religion is always exterior. He's up, he's above, he's away. And I've got to do something to perform so that he'll at least crack a smile. And of course, then you get to Israel. Israel, and again, we don't read this too often, but. When they came to Mount Sinai, you know, they were brought out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai. And when they got there, the Lord told them why he had brought them there. He said, you shall be an entire nation of kings and priests. You're a holy nation. A jolly lot of you. Which means every one of you has free access to me. And he said, when you want to worship me, just make a... Sort of dirt hump and, and dad will, will lead you in prayer and worship. And the glory of God came down onto Mount Sinai and they're the only people ever created that heard God himself speak to them in the Hebrew language. And they say, this is getting too close. We're, we're separated. They, they listen to the reality of their darkness and says, this can't be happening. And if it is happening, it's so scary, I don't want to pursue it. And they turn to Moses and say, you go, you go up there and talk to him. We, we don't want to... Really. This, this is getting too upsetting, very upsetting. We're scared of this because it doesn't fit the darkness in our minds. And this is where it's almost back to the woman of Samaria. And I, I don't know if I can... It, it stirs me. The the love of God. What What's God going to do to the... He has announced this is my plan and it's the plan I had before I created mankind. And now you don't want it. You're telling me, go away, go away. Up the mountain, go on. We'll send a special elite person to, to talk to you. Why didn't God just wipe them out? If he's the God that we're told he is. He should have been royally upset. And he should have said, forget it. If you don't want it, I'll find someone else who does. Instead, and now, hear me, because this is how he deals with all of us. He says, then, if that's where you're at, if your reality is the lie, because God doesn't believe in our reality, We're saying he's separate, and God, no, he's not. But he said, if that's where you're at, then because I want to love you and talk to you and bring you to truth, then I will join you where you're at. And I will talk to you within the boundaries that you have given to me. Does that make sense? And so Moses came down the mountain and he says, God said he'll live in a tent along with us. Would that be okay kind of thing? He's as close as he can get without scaring you. He, you'll have your tent, he'll have his tent. And, and he'll have a room in the middle of the tent, but he'll put a veil there so you can hide on this side of the veil and you won't have to look at him. And I've given you the tribe of Levi to be an elite company who deal with the sacrifices and once a year as your representative they can go in there and and you 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 really think that you can live this life separated, independent of him. So he says, Okay, I'll I love you there. If that's if that's where you're at, I'll I'll give you Ten Commandments. Have a go at that um see if you can do that independently of me um and, and and you you can't imagine me filling every day so i'll give you a sabbath okay i will give you a sabbath and then for one day you'll say this is god's day you know and and I, I throw i throw in a few feasts so that all through the year it keeps punctuating with remember god he's he's got this day he's got that day uh, and when you had the harvest, t- take a sheaf and say, this is God, see. He, don't, he doesn't have the rest, but he's got this. You can, and as to your money, I'll take 10%. I'll make it 30%, uh, um, and, and then you'll say, you know. Did, do you understand? Have you ever thought of it like this? The law was not given as what God wanted. It's what they wanted. They felt safe with that because now God's separate and we're doing this, we're doing that, we're performing this way. And every time the love of God came closer, they rebelled against it. Couldn't stand him. They fell in love with their house. They fell in love with the mountain. They fell in love with all the bits and pieces of the law. It's... It's an amazing thing. God says, I want to speak to you. You won't listen. You don't want to speak. Okay, I'll, 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 hand, I'll, I'll deal with you at that level. And I'll send you prophets. And the prophets will tell you what I'm saying. And that's the way it was. God deals with us where we're at, not where we should be. It's marvelous. Uh, talking to someone just the other day and they were saying i've had it with the church i'm never going back to church so i suppose god's mad at me now no he's not no he's not he says if you don't want to go among god's people that's perfectly okay i'll sit with you in your bedroom Mm -hmm. you're not going to get rid of me he says Uh, (laughs) but wherever you're at there i'll come and speak to you that that will be where your journey is That I found so beautiful, so comforting. And he met them where they were. He gave them what they wanted, rules, separation. But in so doing, he came closer to them than they ever realized. And he keeps, in every rule he gave and every detail of that house on the mountain, he kept telling them about a day that was coming, a day that was coming when it would all change but just for now we're talking at this level and i'm going to bring you to this whole new day day of union and jeremiah comes along because that was far that was 500 years before jesus jeremiah says the day is coming he says you you guys you've broken every covenant god made with you but he said the day is coming when it's a, a new covenant something you've never dreamt of in your wildest dreams and he said in that day your sin and iniquity will be remembered no more Be a closed book dead issue no no more <coughs> and in that day you will need a prophet to say know the lord know the lord because every one of you will know him he'll be talking to you on the inside and no more will it be a law out here that you're trying to keep. But he said he will write it in your heart and he'll put it into your mind. What was Jeremiah saying? There'll be no more house on the mountain. There'll be no more mountain because it will be an inward matter. The Holy Spirit will write it inside of you. It's all over. This is this is just because that's where I met you and... But the day is coming and Ezekiel came along just a bit later and he said, in that day you'll, you'll be washed clean on the inside and I'll give you a new heart. I'll put it inside of you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. It will be an inward matter of the Spirit, not a house on the mountain with a list of rules and a bunch of elite clergy to tell you what to do. No. And then he said, the hour is coming. Boy, lady, do you know, (laughs) the hour is coming. It's almost here. It's almost here. When this is, the hour is coming, you, lady, you will no longer worship on this mountain, nor will you trek down to Jerusalem. The hour is coming. An hour, could I say a cosmic hour? could i say an hour that split the universe an hour that had been waiting since before the foundation of the world an hour is coming a tick-tock tick-tock hour and he said it's almost in fact he said it is it's here how could it be here because in jesus himself god and man are united And that's the essence of all worship. And he said, God, who has been taking the initiative since the very beginning, I'm here. But I'm here so wrapped up in you that for you and I to be together is for you to be drawn into this union that the Old Testament has never once even imagined. The hour is coming, and it now is. And he talked about himself. He said, "Um, destroy this temple. In three days, I'll raise it up. But then John had to write a sort of parenthesis. He was talking about his body. Um, They thought he was talking about the building, the house, the temple on the mountain. And he was talking. He says, I I now the temple. I am where God and man meet together and you're going to destroy it. But in three days I'll raise it up and it will be the forever temple. That's what he meant when he said it's finished. The whole old system was done, finished, gone. Can can you understand that? I guess in some respects I'm talking to the choir. But um, it's... See, there are many today who believe that the temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt they really believe that I, I'm not saying it might indeed because course it will cause world war three um, and, and on top of that it will be the greatest act of blasphemy that has ever been committed on this planet that when God himself came and became the temple that we say no thank you we'll we'll take the old way becomes his blood shedding was what it cost him to get inside our darkness and seeing as we see separation from the inside and in that inside to declare God is light the very opposite of the darkness God then is union God is friend God is this coming together of god and man that's the light and he says it come together in me in jesus god is love he's not against you he's not to be afraid of and he blew to pieces the darkness and raised and we were raised with him which means we now think about this He who is the temple has now given himself to us. We join to him. We become the temple. This building is a... Interestingly, before we got here, this was a bar. Did you know that? This was a dude ranch and it was a bar that's good because it's not the house of the lord i know many persons have met with jesus in this building but it's not the house of the lord it's got a checkered history this place has i'll tell you where the house of the lord is sitting right in front of me you are the stones that make up the house of the lord the house of the lord is it's not a mountain it's not a building it's not an organization. The house of the Lord is where God, the Holy Spirit lives inside you and I. I mean, <laughs> I want to shake myself. This is, this is the reality. As the glory of God filled that inner room It says, in the sufferings and death of Jesus, he took us through the curtain. That is, you're no longer hiding from God out here. Jesus took us inside. And on the inside, wand with the glory of God. Which means, I don't have to go anywhere to dwell in the glory of God. I don't have to go somewhere in order to hear god speak i this this oh but just a minute it's i'm not an independent i'm not an independent little godlet over here um i am the house of the lord because i am joined with you in jesus and so we come together we we're not going to it's impossible from the scripture you can never go to church you you could always go to the house of the lord on the mountain but you can't go to church sometimes the church gathers and then we separate away but we 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 are here today not because we went to a place called church we are here because you are the living dwelling place of God through the Holy Spirit, and you have come, and in our gathering we are the radiance of God's glory gathered together. And when we part, we are still held together by the same Holy Spirit. It's very different. Very different. And and what am I? What's Andrew? What's Marshall? We're not elite. And if you ever thought that, please flush that down the holy toilet. It's, there's no, no place for an elite company called clergy. No. And don't you ever speak of yourself by that wicked word, laity. Because that means Separation. I won't even go to how that came to be. But no, we are the Ecclesia. We are the body of Christ. We are this incredible gathering of persons in whom the Spirit dwells. And I and Marshall and Andrew have been gifted in certain ways in which to serve the rest of the body. We're not elite, we're the chief servants. When I ordained, I know Andrew, probably you, Marshall, too, I told you I am ordaining you to become the head foot washer. You you, you are coming to wash the feet of our fellow believers. We are now those who are the family of God, equal, eye to eye, face to face, and face to face with Jesus and face to face in Jesus with the Father and all of us in the Holy Spirit, all I have is a gift that I share with you that's it i'm I'm one of you and, and then you see it to if if you are the living dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, what does that do when you go to work because another word of The separation, which belongs to the darkness, is secular. There's no such thing as secular. It's all in the twisted imagination of the darkness because secular, the word, means where God is not. If you are the dwelling of God, if he is in you and you are now the temple along with all the other stones, that means that whatever you do, is actually God Himself doing it. I have talked to Randy, forgive me, Randy, he's on the computer right now, but he's our ranch manager. And I, how many times in the years he's been here, and, and, and I, you know, people say, you know, especially like recently when all the pipes busted and in the Great Freeze and, and I said, well, they're, they're kind of fixed now. And people said, oh, praise the Lord. I said, no. The Lord wasn't doing anything until Randy showed up. It, it was, seriously. And and when you pray before food, I suppose you thank God for the food. I didn't notice him in the kitchen. I didn't notice him in the field cutting the corn. Do you understand? You are involved at every level as God in Christ through the Spirit in you doing that. When you sit as a teller in the bank, that is God who loves people giving them a means of putting their money into safety. You're his hand in doing that. There's not a work we do which is not really God looking after his people. Because that's who you are, and and so you have your gift, and your gift. I look at you, I could never do it, I couldn't do it. You look at me, some of you, and say I could never do it. No, that's the way it is. Um, not one above another; it's just different gifts that are serving each other and blessing each other. But it is Christ in us, the glory of God in us, for we are the place where He and humankind meets together and oh by the way this isn't the sabbath did you know that i know it's sunday on this sunday we remember recognize declare celebrate that jesus rose from the dead i'll give you that but this is not the christian sabbath do you understand that no the sabbath is Jesus? That's what Sabbath was all about—resting in God. And Jesus carries us to that rest. This isn't the Sabbath. This is a very convenient day to get together and to declare uh, the gospel and resurrection. But it's not a Sabbath. So, so don't. Start applying all the laws of the Sabbath. No, you are the you are the Sabbath, because Christ the Sabbath is inside of you. Oh, see what I mean? Um, and, and and righteousness is not keeping the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are gone. That, that was what now? Then the Holy Spirit living in you, the life of Jesus. And we live the love of God, and the love of God is fulfilling all the law plus. So we don't live by law. We don't live by rules. We don't live by this day and that day and this feast and that feast. It's very convenient, that's all. It's convenient we have a building to meet in. But if necessary, a palm tree would have done just as good. Um... Because we are, the, we are the house of the Lord. We have come together, and the place that we meet, and the time that we meet, and it's it's all just a matter of convenience. Because we are the pulsating, throbbing presence of the body of Christ. We are the presence of Jesus in the face of the earth. You, 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 ladies. Well, not only ladies, but for the most part, you, you care for the house. You care for the children. And some of you would look at ministry and say, if only I had time to be in the ministry. You are in the ministry. For, why, why do you care for the children? Why, what is it inside you that drives you to clean and to cook and to care It's the love of God in you that says I am making you the shepherd of this family. Take care of my lambs. Take care. You are as much in ministry as I am. So worship. He seeks us to worship him. Well, here we go again. What's worship? (laughs) It's come down to us essentially as groveling in one way or another. You know, I mean it's always that sort of hang dog look and we're worshipping. You know, and it's telling this up there God that he's bigger than us and And of course we got that terrible definition of holiness that came to us in the worst period of all time, called the Middle Ages, when holiness was a God that hated sin and sneered at you because you were a sinner and said, I can't look at you. And they called that holiness. Whereas in the New Testament, holiness is the love of God and sheer joy and peace in celebrating that love. Holiness is the shepherd saying, rejoice with me. I've found my sheep which is lost. Because holy means separated, but not in the sense of up and over it means you've never seen a love like this before. It is unique beyond all loves and therefore it is holy. It is set apart from all other loves. But because it is love separated like no other from you've never seen a love like it, that love comes back out to embrace you. That's so so worship is not groveling before a God who doesn't think you're up to snuff. Um, and really, does it make sense to keep telling God he's big and great? Serious. I'm being very serious now. I, I'm not. This is serious. If there was somebody here that couldn't rest until we'd all told them that they're the best person here, there's a word for that in the dictionary called narcissism. <laughs> I'm very serious. If God is the one that must be told all the time that he's the greatest and the best, that is not love. It means he loves himself and he wants you to love, or at least tell him you love him. But God is love, which means he's utterly for us. And utterly for us He never asks us to tell him how great he is. He spends his entire time opening our eyes to see who we are in the middle of his love. So worship isn't that. He's not seeking groveling subjects. He, He seeks friends. The big word is fellowship, communion. Rejoice with me Um, at the the very beginning he wanted to adopt us into the family so we would be friends children playing in his house because that house is the Holy Spirit and joining with Jesus in his relationship to the Father So we are the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament was pointing to. And when Jesus came, he said, that's over. Now this is the new. So there's no more reference to sin for Jesus blew the darkness apart. We don't concentrate on sin. There's no more need for a prophet who's going to tell you what your life is going to be like. The prophet of the New Testament is entirely different. The prophet of the New Testament is telling you how Jesus relates to your life. And and we don't have special days because he fills every hour of every day. And wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are aware that we're inside the glory of God. So Paul wrote. Now Paul was the most Jewish of all Jews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, which means, he said, that's his own testimony, that I'm not only Jewish, which would lock me into the Old Testament. He said, I'm a Pharisee. And they were so rigid, even the Jews felt sinful around them, that they they were the ultimate Jew. And Saul of Tarsus, the ultimate Jew, who said that, Well, actually, I tell you, I I quote now from Jewish literature that the holy place, the room where they locked God in with the veil in front of him, they believed that was not only the center of the universe, literally, but they believed it was where heaven and earth met together. I, I can't tell you. There's no words to express how they looked at the temple, how they looked at Mount Zion, how they looked at the Holy of Holies. That man, Saul of Tarsus, wrote in Corinthians, don't you know that your body is the Holy of Holies? The word he used, we translate it temple, that's not, the word there in Greek is neos, which means Holy of Holies. He said, you are now what the Holy of Holies was in that temple. He said, heaven and earth meet inside of you and all your work and all that you do takes place within that. God himself fills you in his glory. All your life takes place within that. I... I, We'll never forget for many reasons. When when we were in Israel and had a very interesting guide, it's another story, but um, he said, I can take you to the Holy of Holies. He said it's not on the regular track because it is right behind the Mosque of Omar. The, The Muslims, you know, have their great mosque there. Well, behind it, where no one goes is where the original Holy of Holies in the temple of the Old Testament was and he said um, you know if you're very quiet and decent and don't upset anybody I'll take you round there and he did and there we stood in an area not much bigger than this room and there was a plaque on the floor that said this is the site of the Holy of Holies in the days prior to eighty seventy, when there was a temple there, a- and some of the people were going goosebumpy, you know, and um, wow, you know, this was the holy of holies, and I-, I said, look, I-, I hate to upset you, but that is just a piece of antiquity. I mean, I'm very glad to be here and as far as antiquity goes we've stood here right at the Holy of Holies but I said do you realize everything the Holy of Holies was or hoped to be is now you the glory of God called in the altar the Shekinah glory dwells in you And not by the blood of bulls and goats that was sprinkled on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies, but the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed us from all sin. And we now are face to face with the Father in Jesus Christ. I said, would you you stop all your goosebumps and start looking in the mirror and, and realize you are the now walking Holy of Holies. And we do this as a very... Fascinating historical thing. We're standing in the original Holy of Holies. But that's it, finished. After that, understand the new covenant says this is over. We stand on the ruins of a temple for a jolly good reason. God says it's over. And there's no more priesthood there because it's over. It's done. It's finished. And you now are the temple of the living God. And there's no more temples. There's no more buildings. There's no more places. There's no more times that define something about God. You are. People want to meet with God. They meet with you for Jesus Christ, who is the way, dwells in you and you dwell in him. And your very life is an exposition of the gospel. Right? Huh. The Father seeks. The Father seeks. That's what he seeks. We, we, we should thus worship him. Worship. Um, seeks. That, that's a luke 15 word isn't it the shepherd was seeking the sheep the woman was seeking the last coin the father was seeking the sons he wasn't seeking them to save them from hell he was seeking them to include them back into the family that they might feel this that is called worship it's this relationship um he seeks that you would discover who you are face-to-face face with him with no separation and no darkness. In the Old Testament, worship is linked to a very unfortunate phrase. I say unfortunate because of how language changes, but it says the fear of the Lord. You remember reading that in the Old Testament? That translates into modern English as those who are scared spitless of God. Um, No, it doesn't mean that at all. And I've got Webster's Dictionary on my side. They still define fear in its original meaning. Fear has, it's a neutral word. It's not just talking about being scared. That's one aspect of it. But the word fear would mean to behold something or someone. It means to acknowledge the presence of another. So it's got in it the idea of recognition, knowing. And then, not only so, but giving first place to. Uh, believing in, trusting in, resting in. You say, how on earth can that be the word fear? Well, that's it. what you do when you're afraid, isn't it? Um, because something comes into your life vision, and that something or someone, you acknowledge it as bigger than me, and you believe in its intention to hurt you, and so you go on down that list, you give it first place, the fear controls your life, and, um, So it's linked with the idea of union and abiding and fellowship and communion. So worship means I recognize, I give place to, I see that he fills my life. And I believe, I've trusted, I fear. That's the fear of the Lord. There's not an item in my life that doesn't come under that wonderful umbrella In fact, if I fear the Lord, I can't fear anything else because he's bigger than anything else in my life. The fear of the Lord. But, oh, oh, see, you fill my life. So that means whenever I look at you, I see God dwelling in you. And if I'm out there, the people I'm seeing God dwell in don't know it. They're still in the dark. Well, that's their problem. I know who you are. I see the glory of God in you. And I talk to you as persons redeemed by the blood of Jesus in whom the glory of God dwells. And in so doing, I'm worshiping God by acknowledging you and loving you as he loved me. That's worship. So we behold him, his immediate presence, the presence of love, the presence of him who has achieved his end. So we don't grovel. that That's what the word has come to mean. We, we received it as a gift from the Middle Ages and the witchcraft of the Middle Ages, but it doesn't, no, it's not. It, it's this other wonderful word worship in fact the word worship in plain english means to declare the worth of worship worthship it's saying the one is worthy um and so if a person is worthy then i surrender to that person i surrender to their opinion <coughs> and um and and their their worth invades my life and so if I come into the New Testament, you'll find every word there that i just said for the last hour. Um, I didn't make it up. I'm, I'm not. I'm not being a wacko out there. This is the New Testament, and and the ch- the church has drifted so far that they are living in the Old Testament, trying to use New Testament language, and it doesn't work. See in Ephesians 2 the last verses it says you are built together through the spirit to to be to be a dwelling of God that that's what a temple attempts to be well he says it's you that's who you are in Peter it says you all are priests who are giving praise your your offering is not a a dead animal your your offering is giving praise to god and and of course we've already quoted from corinthians where it says your body this, this body we are the very holy of holies that that's who we are and anyway those words we use all the time in christ christ in you in 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 he's not up he's not over he's not up the mountain he's not in the house he's in you and you are in him which means you live in a mutual indwelling for me to live said paul is christ well as i said this is going to upset people i know um and i i i don't say that casually there's a lot of what we say that if people believed it, it would cost them a lot of money because they'd have to dismantle what they call their religion. They'd have to dismantle their temples and realize the reality of Christ in us. Mind you, we still have a building. <laughs> I, I met someone the other day who said, well, we, we, we no longer go to the church. We meet in a home and so that that's, we're going to have revival now. As if now we don't meet in the building, we meet in another building. <laughs> oh. And in the other building, because it's not that building, then we're going to have revival. And we kicked out our pastor, so we're really on the road to something here. Um, no, that's you missed the point. I don't care where you meet. You can even meet in a building that you call church just so long as you know it isn't as long as you know that you are do you realize we've risen above buildings or no buildings and and of course someone's going to be the leader just don't let him think he's an elite class um and jesus said it's no longer on the mountain but he went to the mountains to pray so obviously he's not against mountains He's not against the hill country, you know. <laughs> do, do you understand? Um, we don't worship the Bible as the fourth member of the Trinity, but on the other hand, I exegete the Scripture and recognize its place. But let's get get the balance, you know. Um, back in the Charismatic Movement, do you remember? Some of you remember those days, and they stopped using hymn books. Oh, that was so funny! They they said we're, we're we're charismatic. We don't use a hymn book now. We sing off the wall, and, and they had the you know put the words up on the wall. That was supposed to be. Now we're done. You see, we're now we're free. Now we don't have hymn books. They're daft. I mean, you got another hymn book. It's on the wall. It, it's please can can we get sense? You know, we, we live so gloriously in the spirit. We use everything we can lay hands on but we recognize that the reality is the Holy Spirit within us. And um, so it's not on this mountain. It's it's where we are. And so in Zechariah, speaking of these days of the Holy Spirit that began with the finished work of Christ, Zechariah said in that day, even the horses will have holiness unto the Lord hanging on their forehead. Um, Which that means that, you know, those horses that pulled the wagons, those sort of 18 wheelers of the day. Well, he said, even the 18 wheelers will have written on them the holy place. Uh, You work in the oil fields. Well, it's got holiness unto the Lord you can't escape this God owns his creation and fills his creation and that's what it was all about from the very beginning so I guess that's it Um, I trust the Holy Spirit has spoken deep into some of our hearts and shown us the reality of our life in Christ and Father we thank you (laughs) How can we put words to it that in Christ Jesus we are face to face with you in the Holy Spirit. We thank you. We are at this micro moment sharing, literally sharing in the relationship of Jesus to you. We are participating in your relationship to Jesus as to us. We thank you. We ask, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our understanding that we may know the hope to which we are called. Amen and amen.